Welcome, welcome to Open My Eyes Podcast, where we learn to become our authentic selves, the best version of ourselves. I'm your host, Nathaniel Deweese. Hello all, thank you for joining this podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us, uh, who's going to be talking uh, to us about some control, and we're going to just break down that topic. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my, my guest. Uh, her name is Brenna, and Brenna, if you can just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. Um, again, Nate said, I'm Brenna. I'm an LAC at a substance abuse and mental health clinic. Um, and I lead some groups um, and do individual counseling with clients. Um, and I felt it was important to bring up the topic of control because I see it a lot on a day-to-day basis um, with clients that are struggling. But I also think it's just a very common thing in general um, that people struggle with and maybe don't even realize that that's the, the root cause. Okay. Um, so... How long have you uh, been in this field and like, how did you actually get started? Like, what is what has been your passion? Oh, good question. So um, I went to school for this for quite some time, about seven years in school in total mm-hmm. with uh, a bachelor's and a master's degree. Um, and then actually in the field itself, um, I've done a little bit of social work and then uh, individual counseling and um, therapy. I started about two years ago. Um, so I've been, I've been doing it for a bit here. Um, obviously not as seasoned maybe as others, but when you're in it, um, day in and day out, um, and you're, you're seeing kind of the more severe sides of, uh, mental health of substance abuse, mm-hmm. um, you, you pick it up pretty quick. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, in terms of what I'm passionate about, I would say, um, I definitely have a heart for trauma. Um, for, for those who have gone through um, big T's and little T's, uh, I think there's kind of a misunderstanding of how much trauma can affect our lives, um, even in like the, the day-to-day functioning. So I definitely have a heart for trauma, um, but I also think that my main goal um, as a therapist and just I think as a person mm-hmm. <laughs> is to encourage people to um, take back control of their lives and realize the areas where they're giving that up yeah maybe even just willingly without recognizing it right yeah and that that makes a lot of sense i did hear you say uh about recognizing the different traumas can you tell us about a time where you ever experienced some form of trauma and how that played into the control issue yeah absolutely um so uh, when i was a lot younger my dad actually passed away i was about three and a half years old at the time um and my uh mom basically overnight became a single mom. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, struggle there, obviously. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I, I dealt with a lot of parent child role reversal. Um, and my mom and I have had a lot of long conversations about this now in my adulthood, but growing up, I didn't realize that that's what was happening. Um, and so to put, um, like adult roles onto a child mm-hmm. um, can be very traumatizing because we don't we don't know any better, but also well, we don't know what to do. Yeah. So a lot of the times we feel very powerless and very out of control in our situations, in our circumstances, and um, we kind of lose sight of what it means to be 
a child. We grow up very quickly and um, then we kind of grow into a pattern of wanting to control everything, (laughs) our external circumstances, the people around us, because that is what has given us safety for so long. Mm -hmm. And that's how we learned that we were accepted or loved or enough Mm-hmm. was by being able to cater to people's needs um, or assume people's needs before mm-hmm. they even spoke them um, and basically uh, kind of leads into those people-pleasing tendencies, which is all just um, just an attempt to control. Oh, yeah. We definitely see those a lot. So throughout your childhood, when did you like recognize that the roles was reversed and when did you take your power back? Oh gosh. I mean, it took me a long time, Nate, mm-hmm. cause I, I didn't realize that it was my norm mm-hmm. for so long. It was my norm. I had yeah. no idea that that wasn't how it was actually meant to be. Um, I didn't realize that I had missed out on childhood experiences. I, a lot of the times you stay in your circumstances because you don't know that it's broken. Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that um, caused me to, uh, I guess, come to that realization, I think first and foremost, the the biggest blessing was I started my own therapy. Mm -hmm. um, And I was terrified of going to therapy of my own, even though I was going to school for it. (laughs) I was still terrified of receiving my own because I was so afraid that they were going to find something wrong with me and I wouldn't meet the expectation, the standard. I wouldn't be able to be uh, what the other person needed. I had to show up for myself and that was terrifying. So it took me a while, but I finally got into my own therapy and have been... um, Honestly, I think a different person since then. Uh, In addition to that, I think getting into this field really helped me as well because um, we act as mirrors for other people. Absolutely. And so naturally, um, as I'm seeing these behaviors in other people, I'm having to ask myself, what about that person? Uh, What about that person's behavior Mm -hmm. is stirring up an emotional response in me? And why do I feel like I have to take responsibility for it? Absolutely. And I realized I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a wild thing. So I would say honestly, just within the past maybe three years, mm-hmm. um, I've been able to start taking that power back and recognizing what actually has to do with me, and then what has nothing to do with me and is not for me to take responsibility for. Wow, that sounds like a, like a pretty amazing journey that you went on. How do you know the difference between what belongs to you and what belongs to somebody else? Well, you have to ask yourself first and foremost, um, what does this have to do with me? Does this involve me at all? If someone else is having an emotional response or reaction to something, Mm -hmm. how does this involve me? And at what point did I become responsible for an emotion that they're feeling? Wow. Can I control it? Yeah. Probably. But is that healthy for me? Mm -hmm. And is it mine to carry? Maybe not. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think it just comes with kind of stopping and instead of uh, immediately re- reacting to um, an activator, a trigger, a circumstance, whatever you want to call it, yeah. um, we give ourselves a bit of a pause and I have to approach that situation with a curiosity of, I wonder why I'm feeling this way right now. Mm-hmm. And in the times of doing that and allowing myself to do that, I started to recognize most of those things didn't have much to do with me at all. In that way, I could then release it back to the person who is responsible for it. 
and you start to feel the positive benefits of I that like it. Yes. because you're not carrying the weight of the world anymore. You're just carrying your own baggage, and mm-hmm. that is enough on its own. Yeah, I, I, yes, I, I totally agree <laughs> with that. Being able to, you know, to release that baggage and, and give it back to somebody is like super important. Um, so we're talking about like the impulse of that. So mm-hmm. the person who has that impulse and responds out of that impulse, where do they lose control of? I think a lot of the times we, like I said earlier, we learn it so early on that we don't even recognize that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of factors that play a part in it too. If you have any type of uh, mental illness or mental struggle, me personally, I've got pretty bad anxiety. Mm -hmm. So when I feel anxious, my immediate response is to reduce that anxiety. Absolutely. And the reduction of anxiety comes from what? acting right i gotta i gotta react i gotta behave in a certain way but then being able to pause and sit in that curiosity Mm -hmm. wonder why is my anxiety resting in my stomach or my head or my shoulders why am i feeling responsible for this oh wait that's not even mine to carry even just giving myself that time to pause and Mm -hmm. question those things without judgment just question those things I'm actually allowing my anxiety to reduce on its own Mm -hmm. because the physical reaction of anxiety um, takes a little bit longer to reduce than the mental. Okay. So when I'm mentally talking myself down, my body might still be reacting with my my anxiety. I might have a rapid heartbeat or um, my shallow breathing or I feel like the walls are closing in. But as my mind starts to straighten out and like my day starts to clear up, all the clouds go away. Then my body says, okay, now I can relax too. Absolutely. And you feel better. Yeah. And every time you do that, you're giving yourself the positive reinforcement to continue releasing those things that aren't yours. I like that. Okay. And then like, what, what would you say like is like the common age where a lot of this stuff starts to happen? Oh, I think it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've seen in like my own practice, um, you see it starting from early, early on. Um, I mean, age three for me, some it's age 10, some it's in their teens. Um, and then if you, if you read into some like trauma specialists, they'll say that trauma can start on a cellular level, which I, wow. I believe as well. You know, wow. um, if, the, if the fetus is under constant stress mm-hmm. um you're going to be born with that that stress response that that cortisol is constantly being pumped into the fetus and it's a stressed out little baby when it comes out Absolutely. so um i do believe that it can start on a cellular level as well but i also believe that we form a lot of our our um reactions and we we learn a lot of our behaviors um once we are out in the world having experiences mm-hmm. But it can start really at any age that we that we gain these experiences that teach us certain things about ourselves. Okay, so I like that. So it seems like the external influences, whatever is going on in that external environment, plays a huge factor on mm-hmm. that individual even before they are actually physically born in this world. Wild, right? Yeah, that's pretty wild. How does that translate over into later on in life, like the control factors? How does that? that formula play a part in later later on in life i think it bleed it can bleed into everything if we let it mm-hmm. and i think that's the importance of maintaining um a self-awareness mm-hmm. why am i doing this and do i want to continue doing this 
what else can I do instead? Mm-hmm. All of those things come with with reflection, right? Um, but impulsivity and reaction um, kind of battle against that. They don't want us to reflect. They want us to act. So to it's a ease. constant battle. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but it'll bleed into every area of our lives. We'll see it in our workplace if we're very reactive at work mm-hmm. um, or our boss gives us some, you know, corrective uh, or constructive criticism and we automatically react with, oh, well, they don't think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, that came from a core belief from long, long ago because your boss never said that. And yet you're reacting as if they did. Wow. It can bleed into our relationships where mm-hmm. they might give us some feedback about, um, you know, it would be really nice if you could help me out with the chores around the house. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, well, they don't think I'm good enough or, or they don't think I do enough. Well, no, that's not what they said. But our core belief, mm-hmm. our, our, our learned behavior that we carry through will bleed into those areas. And so we almost are wearing like lenses that don't allow us to see the situation for what it is, mm-hmm. but rather what we believe it to be. Wow. So the lenses, which is probably a, some form of distortion, mm-hmm. um, really plays that factor into how a person perceives things. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to different types of control, mm-hmm. what are the what are the different types of control? Oh, I mean, there's there's so many. Um, there's physical control, obviously, um, where we're, we're being physically forced or threatened to do. Uh, one thing or another there's like a more passive control um, can look like manipulation Um, one of the things that you'll hear frequently with manipulation is um, like if you leave me I'll hurt myself yeah and the fact is is that person is then giving you full control over their emotions and their well-being and they're not wanting to take responsibility or accountability for their own emotions in that they're not wanting to have to manage it and so they're making it yours mm-hmm. and in in turn they're trying to control you but ultimately they're just giving up control over themselves wow. right um so there's the passive control um there's also codependency mm-hmm. um which i oh god that's a whole different topic, a whole different topic um, yes. there are so many good books on that so for listeners if you're wanting a good book on codependency um please uh reach out or i don't know comment yes. um because there are so many good ones that's another big area of passion for me but codependency is basically our attempt to control another individual in any means necessary um, because we think we know better Mm -hmm. than them about their own life and their own choices. I like that. And by taking control over them, we're A, giving up control over ourselves because Mm -hmm. we're focusing on them and they're focusing on them. So who's focusing on you, right? Yes. But B, we're also uh, allowing them to not take any accountability or responsibility for their own actions. And therefore, they're not really getting to learn or experience anything. A lot of the time, they're just focusing on reacting to your means of trying to control them. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are tons of different types of control, um, probably too many to list. <laughs> yes. um, but I would say those are the top three that mm-hmm. we would see would be the passive control, codependency, and then physical means of control. I like that. So for the person who, who lost their control, um, I know there's a phrase, I heard it, it says some, at some point that uh, the person who lost their control is always trying to stay in control because mm-hmm. they lost their control at some point. Can you kind of elaborate on that? So um, in adulthood, we have our choices and 
Um, so in adulthood, we don't lose control. We give away control. Okay. In childhood, we can lose control of our situations because we are at the mercy of the adults around us. And so if in childhood we went through an experience where we did feel out of control or we felt like we did not have any safety or ability to manage our surroundings, that's kind of where the initial wound happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of us are actually searching for a way to heal that that initial wound um, by now taking control of everyone else around us to keep our surroundings safe so we don't continue to uh, reopen that wound. Okay, Does so, that make sense? Yeah, so is it more like uh, when they feel like they're in control, it's like a, they have to... It's like a power thing, like yeah, they have to feel like, empowered. Um, and also, I think a form of safety because if safety. you're in charge, if you're in control, mm-hmm. who can hurt you? Right. Yeah. So Hopefully protect no me. One. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. Uh, what would you say to the to the person who's trying to recognize control within themselves mm-hmm. and kind of take their power back? What What would be some of the advice that you would give them? Oh, that's tough, Nate. Therapists don't give advice. Um, <laughs> what I would say maybe a good thing to focus on. Uh-huh is whenever you feel angry or strong emotions are activated, Mm -hmm. um, the first question to ask yourself is, does this have anything to do with me? And if the answer is yes, then we can go on to ask, what about this situation, Mm -hmm. this person, this event, is stirring up the emotional response in me? Um, Because ultimately, um, we have to be able to identify those things. So if you're getting really, really angry about someone, I don't know, asking you to do them a favor, why am I getting angry about that? Right. Right. What, what about that situation stirs up such a strong emotional response in me? Oh, well, they're just going to take advantage of me. Mm-hmm. And there we can identify a cognitive distortion, right? Well, that's not true. We don't know that for sure. And if they are, you still have the power to say, no. Absolutely. Yes. So being able to kind of get a person that power to say no mm-hmm. can help with that with the control issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And just having good boundaries for yourself because boundaries are going to help you to maintain control and power over you. Mm-hmm. And you don't set boundaries on other people. You set boundaries for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to have the safety to exist without other people infiltrating those boundaries. Mm-hmm. When you know yourself well enough to know what you'll tolerate and what you won't, you can then speak up and be assertive about what's not appropriate and what is. Sometimes we have to teach people how we want them to treat us because sometimes they don't know any better. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, would you say that it's a lack of awareness or is it miseducation? I mean... What would you what would you say is sort of like the the core issue why people refuse to deal with themselves? Oh, um, fear. Fear, yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe they're they're missing out on just some education on how powerful it is to learn about yourself. But I think the scariest thing is having to go um, inside of ourselves and face the things that we have for so long tried to run away from or numb out or blame on other people. And so I I think the the strongest factor in lack of self-awareness is the fear of knowing you. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Okay. So sweeping it out of the carpet, pretending like it's not there. None of that stuff works. That's all that's all fairy tale fantasy right. stuff, right? Right. Okay. Because you can run away to the North Pole for all I care, but you're still you. Uh-huh. So you still have all those traits and you can jump from relationship to relationship. You're still you. So you're still carrying any negative traits that you might have mm-hmm. and they're going to bleed into every relationship until you heal you. Mm-hmm. Your circumstances are not going to get better because your circumstances are the problem. Right. Rarely is the circumstance the issue. It's how we think, feel, and behave about our circumstance. Yeah. So often um, we see people responding out of their circumstance or out of their situation. How do we kind of make make them more aware that it's not always the circumstance or the situation, but it's more something internal that's going on inside of them? Well, I don't necessarily know that it's making them aware. Um, the, the main thing is, is misery can only last for so long. Mm-hmm. Misery can only last for so long before something has to change. Because as human beings, we naturally avoid pain. We don't want to feel it. And so if we are miserable all the time, mm-hmm. eventually we're going to seek something yeah. to resolve that misery. And if there's anything I've learned in my a lot of years of school and uh, years of practice, I can't make anybody want anything. Yeah. But I can help them see that maybe there's another option. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make um, just as human beings in our thinking patterns is thinking that we're stuck where we are because the human mind is so powerful and so capable of healing itself if we give it the tools to do so. If we stay stuck in our past hurts, if we keep throwing shoulds on ourselves and and old expectations, um, we're keeping ourselves in old patterns. Mm -hmm. And the the coolest thing about um, no longer answering to old patterns is that then you get to decide what name you answer to. Absolutely, I like that. What what would you say about the? Because I'm pretty sure there's people who are so comfortable with being in control mm-hmm. that they don't want to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you? What would be your suggestion on that? How would you uh, kind of deal with that situation? Well, um, if they're so comfortable in their control, there's probably no distress in their life. But there probably is. It's probably just maintained through more coping mechanisms to have control. So again, misery will kind of weed itself out and we're going to look for a resolve in it. Um, For people who have grown comfortable in in being controlling of others, um, I guess my words to them would be, it's okay. And um, when you're ready, let's see if there's something different that doesn't require so much of you. Absolutely. You know, because there's a lot of freedom in um, letting go of the control of things that really don't even have to fall on you. I like that. Okay. So this is uh, this will be my final question. So for the person who wants to make these changes, mm-hmm. what, would, what would be your advice? If you can kind of paint a picture or kind of lay out some, you know, maybe like a list or something like that, what would you kind of uh, recommend for a person who wants to kind of start changing their life and come out of control? I think first and foremost, um, I can speak just from my own experience in my heart is getting therapy was one of the best things I ever did. 
it doesn't have to be long term. It can be very short term, but sometimes it's helpful to just have someone from complete third party unbiased perspective um, see into your patterns and and understand and help you to understand Mm -hmm. why you're doing what you're doing. Maybe why um, these terrible things keep happening. Um, and also maybe help you to discover some ways out of that. Um, if therapy is not your thing, there are so many different books, audiobooks, podcasts, things like that that can really help out um, with identifying those old negative patterns that we don't want anymore or maybe even just considering not wanting anymore. Absolutely. And um, lastly, I would say having a healthy support system is a big deal. And so if you feel like there's somebody... Um, even just one person that you can go to and just be vulnerable and honest with and say, I don't know if I want to change, mm-hmm. but I also don't know if I want to stay the same. Yeah. And allowing them to maybe just hear you out. Sometimes we just need to hear ourselves say those things in order to come to the realization that something's got to change. I like that. Definitely. Um so if somebody wanted to reach out to you um, or had any questions or anything like that, what, what would be the best way of contact uh, for you? Um, so I can um, give you my contact information. You can put it in the link um, for okay. the podcast um, or my the company I work for as well. Um, there's also some really great resources out there if maybe substance abuse is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of mental health clinics that can help out. Um, as well. So I'll, I'll shoot you over some resources and you can put them in the link below. Sounds good. Well, Brennan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank, Thank you, you for uh, spending time with me. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, we'll probably have Brennan on again for round two at some point. But again, <laughs> thank you again. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining today's podcast. I hope it was inspirational to you. Let's continue to build, inspire, and grow together. Until the next podcast. For your continual support, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again.